0: Would you welcome our founding pastor, Stephen Usry. Good morning, church. Man, I have looked forward to this day. What a blessing. Um, it has already been a joy just to be able to come to this place. And see so many. Uh, by the way, you feel old when all of a sudden the kids are so much taller and older, right? Oh my goodness, but what a blessing that is. And, um, and, and I'm excited about being able to share God's Word with you this morning, but before we get to that, And Johnny, my sermon doesn't start. The time doesn't start yet. Uh, I get a few minutes, okay. Uh, I just want to pause for a minute before I even kind of talk about some folks that I just want to say thank you for being a part of the journey. I just want to tell you uh, something I didn't plan on saying until I'm actually sitting in the crowd being a part of the worship, being a part of the spirit of the room. And uh, I don't know that you recognize what a good thing you have here in this church. I mean, I wish that every church could say they have the kind of spirit uh, and, the, and, and being in touch with the Holy Spirit that Harvest Point has. And I just want to give God the glory for that. He has used leaders and people like these guys who have their incredible gifts. Glory to God. Um, so allow me just a few minutes to say um, thank you, to a few folks, um, first of all, I watched that video, and I think I forget how many people have gone into ministry out of this church. You know, we're here on a Sunday morning, but but just right down the road, Keith Harris and Ann Harris are doing ministry as a pastor now, right? I don't know if you realize Jose Rodriguez and the ministry that Jose is doing now, but I'm so proud of Jose, and he's still going through our candidacy process, so I'm still coaching him. But he's gonna—he's—he's he's an awesome pastor. There are some awesome people who found their place of ministry and their call right here at Harvest Point. How cool is that, right? When we named this church Harvest Point, the whole idea was plant, plant seeds, throw seeds. Just throw seeds and watch what God does. Watch how God brings the growth. And guys, I know you get to be a part of that. I know you get to see it. Some of you have been a part of it now for 22 or so years, right? Glory to God for that. Out here in the crowd today, there are some folks who, who 20-something years ago heard me say, hey, let's plant a church that reaches lost and irreligious people who are unconnected to God and unconnected to church. Let's, let's, can you offer us a building? No. Do you have a playground? No. The, the, the running joke was we're following you, but we don't even know if you can preach. And, uh, and, <laughs> but, but God built and God did, and you know, I think one of the most important things and this is me celebrating who you are today, is the idea was, let's be a church that's just healthy. Let's be a church that loves Jesus, that doesn't talk a lot about all the politics and the agendas. Let's just be on fire for Jesus and watch how people come. And I just want to say, Harvest Point, I am so proud of your health and of your strength. And those of you who gave it, Today has got to be a reminder to you that nothing that we do for the Lord goes unnoticed. And just imagine what it's going to be like one day when we get to the end of this life and we step into the next one. And we actually get to see all the seeds that we planted and how they just brought forth great things. So glory to God for that. I, I, I need to say just a word of thanksgiving To Jonathan Anderson, who came in after after me. Jonathan, I'm so proud of you, and I know I've told you that a bunch of times, but in church planting world, one of the colloquialisms is the most important person is the second person, not the first person, I promise you, and Jonathan came in and has done a fantastic job leading this church. By the way, congratulations. We're so excited for (laughs) y'all. Really, it's so good to see you guys, and um, I want to just for a moment, uh, say thank you for the great gift that you guys blessed me and Julie with. If you don't know, you guys sent us to Hawaii shortly after we left here. We needed it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and and we fell in love with Hawaii. We loved it so much. Within one year, we took some of our family members back and spent even longer. And it was because you blessed us. We actually, You guys blessed us to be there on our anniversary and on Julie's birthday. So it was a really neat blessing. And um, I... I am just so grateful for the ability to say that I'm a part of Harvest Point forever. Um, I watch videos like that and I get real emotional, and I don't need to get emotional today because I gotta preach, okay? But um, if I, I I won't go around the room and just start naming names because that would be unfair. But you know, suffice it to say, thank you to people who answered the call of God, and. Um, boy, this church is going to be around for a really long time doing great things for Jesus Christ. So, so today I want to talk to you about, I was thinking, what do, you, what do you come back and talk to a church that you hadn't talked to in five years, right? I mean, I've been gone for five years and doing a lot of ministry, and it's kind of crazy that I hadn't been back. But what a blessing it is to be back. What do you share? And, um, and Jonathan and I were talking about where the church is, and you know where the Lord led me? He led me to talk to you today about relationships. You know, at the end of the day, what's going to pass from this life to the next life? Only people, right? And we make a lot out of all the stuff. The stuff we own, the stuff we do, the things we run at, the ambitions and the dreams we build. But let me assure you, the most important thing on this planet will always be people, and so today, I, uh, if you've got your Bibles, got your tablets, your phones, uh, I'm going to be preaching out of James chapter 3. And I just want to talk to you about relationships because as a person who loves you and who cares for you, one of my greatest hopes for you is that you would be a person who does relationships well. You know, the Bible talks about people who do relationships well, and the Bible calls those people something. The Bible calls those people wise. Now I want you to think about that for a minute. If you don't do relationships well, guess who you are, right? There's another word for that in the Bible. You're a fool, right? But if you will do relationships well, not only do you mirror our Father, who is perfect in his relationships, but you will be wise, and you will be modeling His wisdom. It's really the essence of what I want to talk to you about today. And in James chapter 3, we're going to say, okay, God, you show us a picture of what it looks like to be a fool, and you show us a picture of what it looks like to be wise. Oh, God, let me sit at your feet, Father, and learn from you about how to do relationships well. So as we turn to God's Word today, my hope for you is that you're thinking about where you work, and you're thinking about how you do relationships in that place. I hope you're thinking about your family for sure. Maybe your marriage, maybe your kids, maybe your, your, uh, your, your, not just your immediate family, but your, your family beyond that, your brothers, your, I hope you're thinking about your neighborhood. What kind of neighbor are you? I hope you're thinking about your church because relationships are important. So, so as I begin this morning and I'm going to pray and then we're going to get rolling into the scripture. Let me just ask you a question. Do you want to be wise? I'm sorry, I ask a question. Do you want to be wise? Yes. Some of you didn't answer yet. I'm going to try it one more time. Do you want to be wise? Yes. Then let's together turn to God's Word and let those who have ears hear. Would you pray with me? in the next few minutes as we turn to your word we declare that it is living and active it's not static and on a page it's just not black and white print it is breath and we invite you in the next few minutes let us give our mind and our attention all that we are to your words and lord for us we just heard that song about needing to break we know what needs to break our will needs to break and become your will Our longings need to become your longings. So, Lord, here we are this morning. We've carved out space and time to just become more like you, to sit at your feet and to learn from your word. Mold us, shape us, draw us to yourself, we pray, Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us to do relationships extremely well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, let's read from the Word together. We're going to be reading from James chapter 3, and we're going to be uh, beginning together uh, just five verses in verse 13. So the Bible says, if you are wise, if, right, it's conditional, you may not be wise, if you are wise and you, what, understand God's ways. Now, that's really what we want to do in the next few minutes, right? Understand the ways of God. Really let it go beyond our mind, deep into our heart. If you are wise and if you understand the way, the God's ways, you'll live a life of steady goodness. I like those words. So that only good deeds will pour forth. And if you don't brag about the good you do, then you will be truly wise. By the way, this is James. This is the brother of Jesus, the physical brother of Jesus, who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah until he saw him resurrected. That will make you a believer, right? Until he saw him resurrected. And so the Holy Spirit is, is moving and giving these words to James so that James would understand the wisdom of God. So James is writing to some folks, and he says, I want you to understand how God works and how God thinks and how God does, and I want you to strive to become that and not the other and now he's about to tell us about the other. James goes on, he says, but if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your hearts, don't brag about being wise. That's the worst kind of lie. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and they're motivated by the devil. For where there is jealousy, where there is selfish ambition, there you will find Disorder. Some Bibles say chaos of every kind of evil. You know, if you were just writing notes around these scriptures, I think that you'd be very easily able to just write in the margin, ego, self, these kind of things that where if you have chaos and disorder, you have jealousy, this selfish ambition. James is saying that's not the Father's plan for you. You were made to seek a higher form of living, a wiser form of living. And then he goes on, and this is the essence of what we're going to study this morning, okay? Then he goes on into verse 17. The wisdom that comes from heaven, I want you to look for six things, okay? The wisdom that comes from where? The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. It's also peace-loving, gentle. At all times. Are you gentle at all times? We'll get to that in a minute, okay? It's willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and good deeds. And it shows no partiality and always sincere. And James keeps writing. He says, those who are peacemakers plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. We're going to focus in this morning on verse 17, but let me just pause for a minute and just pull out two nuggets around what we just read. And the first one is this if you didn't pick up anything about what James is laying down here from the Holy Spirit, I want you to understand this that wisdom, the wisdom of heaven, it's all about how we relate to one another. There's nothing in that about your intellect, nothing about your degrees, it's nothing about your brain. It's really about how you relate to others. It's it's not about um, your your thinking, it's about your doing and how you relate to other people. So get the clue. You want to be wise, you don't even have to go to school. You know there's a lot of people with degrees who are educated fools, right? So you want to be wise. Here's the beauty of God's Word. God says, listen, get your heart right. And you get your heart right, and you start relating with others. You will be so wise. Some of you, you have grandparents, and they're the wisest people you ever met. And you know what? They didn't necessarily have great degrees and go to school for a long time, but they had been taught God's Word. They learned God's Word. They learned how to relate, and you watched a master class on wisdom. So the first thing about God's wisdom is, is it's relational. Isn't that cool? But not only that, look at that verse 18. James says that peacemakers will plant seeds, will sow seeds. Now, the Bible teaches whatever you sow, you're going to reap. You can't go out and sow corn and reap apples, right? Whatever you sow, you are going to reap. So the question is, even as we study God's Word this morning, what seeds are you planting? Because every day you are planting seeds. So when you go to work, maybe you go to school, What are you planting? Are you planting seeds of trust or distrust? Are you you planting seeds of loyalty or disloyalty? Are, Are you planting seeds of harmony? Are you planting seeds of division? Are you planting seeds that are about self and your goals and your aims? Or are you planting seeds about others? Are you planting seeds of collaboration or of competition? Every day you live, you are planting seeds. And you will reap fruit, the harvest of whatever you're planting. So today I want to talk to you about those six things that are the wisdom of heaven, okay? In verse 17, Uh, the title of this sermon I'm calling it is Six Things Wise People Never Do. By the way, I've done every one of them, okay? Every last one of them, I've messed them up. Six things wise people never do. Or you could call it, you know, six things that show us the wisdom of heaven. So let me just dive in, okay? The first one, right out of the gate in verse 17, it says, So the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. By the way, when when something like that is said in the Bible, you should take note. The words first of all," before anything else, I'm going to say this is what it is. First, it's pure. Stephen, what does that even mean? We think we hear that word "pure." I mean, think about what pure. Other words we would use for pure. It's untainted. It's uncorrupted, right? It's it's not. It's it's holy good. That's what pure is. It's clean. Right. I like to think of it as holy and righteous, that the the wisdom from heaven is first of all pure. What is James talking about here In, in today's modern vernacular? I think most of us would probably talk about the fact that we want to be people of integrity. We want to have a high bar of character. We want, to, we want to people to know we behave a certain way. We operate a certain way. We're always going to be truth tellers. We're never going to be fake. We're never going to lie. We, we talk about being a person of high integrity. And what James is saying out of the gate is, listen, you, you're not going to be wise if you're not on the up and up. If you're not being truthful And if you're not being honest, I think about a husband and a wife. And and if a husband lies to his wife all the time, they do not have a relationship that is worth anything, right? Because a relationship is built on what? Trust. And that trust is built on what? Truth. So you have to be a person that is seeking to be a pure person, a person of high integrity. You know, honesty is the bedrock of every relationship. And so, how are you doing at being an honest person? God is the ultimate of honesty, right? And we're trying to be like Him. How honest are you in your relationships? I don't know if you've ever heard the name Leonard Keeler before. Leonard Keeler, he is a pretty noted scientist. He's the guy who developed the lie detector test, okay? And he, he's done a few of them. More than 25,000 tests he did after he developed the lie detector test. You know what he figured out? Here was kind of the, the, uh, the nutshell on his research. Humans lie. <laughs> that's, that was, that's what he figured out, right? And, and if we were really honest with ourselves, which sometimes we're not, right? I mean, we will lie to God. We will lie to others, and we even lie to ourselves. The Bible says the heart above all else is deceitful. So you have to be very careful about the life you're trying to build and live in this place of honesty. Six things that wise people never do. I would say it this way. I would say I, I want to make sure that I don't compromise my integrity. Compromise is, is that taintedness, right? Is that, is that moving from purity to a place of being impure, And so the idea is, out of the gate, you want to be wise? No double life. No, I I, I say this over here and I live that over there. No, you walk in the truth because you're a child of the father of all truth. And so when people hear you speak, they know you, they trust you because you are honest. The Bible says this, God grants, this is Proverbs 2, 7, God grants a treasure of good sense to the godly. Now listen, he is their shield, protecting those who walk with integrity. Now think about that. Can you have a better shield than God to go before you and to look after you and to guard you? You cannot have a better shield than God. So walk with integrity. And trust that he will look after you. You want the first thing on wisdom. You need to make sure you're trying to live a pure life. And don't compromise your integrity. Here's the second thing. It says it right in 17. It says, it's first of all pure. It's also peace loving. Peace loving. In Jesus' word, he would say, you want to be a peacemaker. Not a troublemaker. Now, have you seen these videos out with the Karens of the world? You've seen these people fighting and fussing? Have you seen these people? Um, and why is it always Karens and never Carl's? I don't know that yet. I haven't figured that out. But there's plenty of men that are the same way, right? Now, why, why is that such a big deal? Because you know, like I know, there's a lot of people walking around, doing life with a chip on their shoulder all the time, wanting somebody just to dare to knock that chip off their shoulders. Somebody's just got, somebody wants to get ticked off. There are some people who are looking for a fight. Well, Pastor Stephen, I was having a bad day. I don't care about your bad day. All right. If you go to work looking for a fight, guess what you're going to probably find? A fight. You know what the Bible says about people who love to fight? They're fools. They're stupid. Okay. That's not who God wants you to be. Fools love to fight. Now, God, what does God want of you? He wants you to be like Him. And the Bible says also, peace-loving. You know, you can tell a person who's not peace-loving when they antagonize or provoke somebody else's anger. And don't think of somebody far, far away. Think about somebody sitting right next to you. All right. <laughs> Somebody's sitting right. Hey, have you ever noticed how husbands and wives know each other's hot buttons? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, man, you ain't got to elbow one another. I, th- I know. We're all here together, okay? Husbands and wives know each other's hot buttons. It's so easy to provoke some. We, it's like a weapon of mass destruction. All, destruction. all you got to do is punch that button. Oh! And it's the same thing every time. Now, listen. Listen, some of you are wiser than that. You you know there are buttons there. You stay away from those buttons, right? Because you've learned that provoking someone else's anger is not the smartest way to live. Wise people, they not only don't compromise their integrity. Secondly, they don't antagonize someone else's anger. All right? They don't do that. They don't push, they don't egg people on. They don't push other people's buttons. They're not trying to get into a, a fight all the time. Why? Because the Bible says, wait a minute, that's stupid. All that jealousy, that anger, that chaos, that disorder, that's not for you. Not for you. It's not the way you live. You want to live a life of purity, and you want to live a life that loves peace. Can I tell you, I didn't plan on telling you this, but I grew up in a, the home of a, a bunch of a type personalities my brothers and my sisters we, we I'm kidding you not when I tell you we've never finished a Monopoly game never uh, <laughs> never and we would fight and and and, and my dad if, if you, you many of you probably don't know my story but at 20 years of age as a sophomore in college my dad got the second fastest spreading cancer known to humanity and we had my dad for three months and um, the good news is he gave his life to Jesus during that three months, right? So that was, made it all worth it. But I'll never forget a moment where me and my sister, just, her name is Kathy. Me and Kathy were just being us. And, and you know, brothers and sisters can talk about hot buttons. We, you can go back and forth. And I'll never forget a moment that changed the dynamic. It, it has never, it's changed it. It's never been that way again. We grew up fussing and fighting and pushing each other. It's never been that way again. She and I were in the hospital room. My dad is, you know, in his final days. She and I are going back and forth about something that doesn't even matter. I'll never forget my dad who was literally passing from this earth. He positioned himself up in the bed. He sat up in the bed best he could and he said, "Stop it. Stop arguing." Laid down it's never been the same never once argued with my brothers again never once argued with my sisters what changed not something here something here your father wants you to be a person who won't compromise your integrity and he wants you to be a person who doesn't provoke or antagonize others' angers. Listen to what the Bible says. It goes back to fools, right? Fools are wisdom. The Bible says in Proverbs, any fool can start arguments. The wise thing is to stay out of them. Wow, you want to be wise? That's what you do. I said six things, right? Look at the third one. So first of all, pure, peace-loving. But here the Bible says this. It says, gentle at all times. If you're reading this in a different translation, that word gentle sometimes is translated a different way. Sometimes it'll say courteous at all times. Sometimes it says uh, considerate at all times. But what doesn't change in the translations is the word all, okay? I looked it up in the Greek. You know what it means? All, okay? Now that's hard, isn't it? I mean, which one of us in the room can say, boy, I'm gentle at all times. I'm courteous at all. I'm considerate at all times. But this is the word of God for us. This is what we're striving to be and to become. We want to be people who are gentle at all times. Pastor Stephen, are you telling me that I got to be gentle when somebody else is being rude to me? If you want to be wise. That's right. Are you telling me that I've got to be considerate or courteous to somebody else who is being inconsiderate to me? I'm not telling you. God's Word is telling you all times. Are you telling me I've got to be nice to a clerk that's a jerk? That's right. You have got to be gentle and courteous and considerate at all times. The wisest people that I've ever seen in this life are people who will be gentle and they will be considerate even when somebody is blasting them, blasting away at them. You want a picture of wisdom? Picture that in your mind. A person who, though the mountain shakes and the winds howl, they don't lose their cool. They're wise and they are gentle and considerate at all times. You know where we make a mistake on this is when somebody starts coming at us, you know, somebody pours into us. We make two big mistakes. The first mistake is we listen to their words and their words are what we take in and that triggers us, right? but we don't recognize and we don't get beyond their words and actually see what's on the other side, which is their feelings, right? I mean, they may have, they may be afraid of something. They may have something going on. They've got feelings and we make a mistake when we get stuck on their words and we don't look behind those words and see the feelings. That's the first big mistake. But the second big mistake we see is if we can, as this is especially true in a family, if we can get their feelings, sometimes we invalidate them. Oh, so you're afraid. You don't need to be afraid. There's nothing to worry about. Right. You know, or, or I'm concerned. Right. No, we we invalidate somebody else's feelings. And that, my friend. Is not being considerate. It's not considering them in our house. Uh, my wife keeps the house like super cold like way too cold, and I go out of the house all the time, and people see me standing in my yard. It's because I have to go stand in my yard because the house is so cold. And I don't know what that's about. Um, I think it's some word that starts with M and ends with pause. But but she tells me I'm keeping the house at optimum temperature. And I'm like, optimum for (laughs) Eskimos, you know. So we have this thing that goes back and forth. Now, now you got to get this. Why am I sure? So it's this, it's this I'm cold, I'm hot game. And are we the only couple that plays it? Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, but I am freezing. And she's like, go put some clothes on. And I, I'm like, now, so here's my question. Here's what I'm running at. Is it okay, now follow me here, is it okay and is it possible for one person to be in a house and be cold at the moment and another person to be in the very same house and be hot at the same moment? Is it? Yes. yes. Okay, okay. I'm not crazy. Um. I'm not crazy. Um. When you, when, when you invalidate someone else's feelings because you don't feel them, you're not being wise. You're just playing the cold hot game. So, so you, you want to know what wise people don't do? Wise people, they, they don't minimize other people's feelings. They, they're seeking to be a person that is gentle And consider it at all times. So the Bible says it this way. Kind words bring life. But cruel words crush your spirit. You know, my wife is a teacher. And every day she teaches first graders, right? I mean, think about first graders. These little, little humans. Now, for those of us outside of that class. And we, we're off doing our regular job. We're not teachers. And by the way, if you're a teacher, thank you. Thank Jesus for what you do and the investment you make. Every day, my wife is in a very unique place in how she uses her words. And I learned this very early on watching her. She's an excellent teacher. Watching how she uses her words. Your words will either build up or, as that, as that scripture says, it's so easy for words to crush a spirit, isn't it? You want to be a wise person. You be gentle at all times, and you make sure that you say, "No, I'm not going to minimize other people." Let me go a little bit faster. Next one is uh, the wisdom from heaven is willing to yield to others. <laughs> Stephen, I was doing fine until that one. Okay, willing to yield to others. Well, what does that even mean, Stephen? So being willing to yield to others simply means this. When when somebody else is, you're operating with somebody else, you don't get defensive, right? If you get defensive, you're not willing to yield to somebody else. And you're not so stubborn that you're going to have my way, my way is the right way. Talk about a person's not willing to yield. You got a stubborn person right there, right? So, well, tell me, Stephen, how? How can I become a better person at being able, willing to yield to others? And I know no better way than to tell you than listening. Wise people listen. You know what you can know about the defensive person? Normally they're taking a posture and it's coming right out of their mouth and their spirit's right on their body, their body language and everything else. You know a person who's stubborn? Same kind of thing. But you want to know a person who is willing to yield to others, they're asking questions. They're saying, tell me more. They're learning, 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 learning. I'm learning all the time. A wise person is a person who is not defensive, but a person who is taking in more information and being a better listener. Reminds me of the story I heard of the young pastor who went to his first church. He'd never really been a pastor before. Got up and preached his first sermon and did the wrong thing after it was over. He went up to a guy named Big Jim, and he said, Big Jim, how did I do today? He should have asked nobody how he did that day. Big Jim said to him, well, you, 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 you did horrible. It was a terrible. It was a train wreck. And he said, why? What did I do wrong? He said, first of all, you read your sermon. And the second thing is you didn't even read it good. And the third thing is it should have never been read in the first place. It wasn't worth anything. He was broken. He was like, and so, so he, he he just slept on it all night long. Next day, a guy came into the the thing and he said, listen, 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 I I don't know what to do. First sermon, evidently it was a train wreck. Big Jim told me that I I read it. I read it poorly and it shouldn't have ever been read. It wasn't worse. He said, listen, 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 don't listen to Big Jim. Big Jim don't even ever think on his own. He just repeats what everybody else says. (laughs) Now, you know, it had been so easy to get defensive, right? With old Big Jim. But what I want to say to you is that every one of us, listen now, every one of us can learn from any one of us. Even the person that you think you're totally different than that, and they don't live anything like you, and you, you would never trust them, you know, you couldn't throw them as far as you could trust them. You can learn from anybody, but you have to be a good Listener. Here's what what wise people don't do and willing to yield to others. They don't criticize others' suggestions just out of the gate. They don't do that. The Bible says it this way. Intelligent people are always open to new ideas. In fact, they look for them. So you want to be that kind of wise person who is listening and taking things in and willing to yield and to learn from others. The wisdom of heaven is pure. It is, also, first of all, pure. It's also peace-loving. It's gentle at all times. It's willing to yield to others. Now, watch this. It's full of mercy and good deeds. Full of mercy and good deeds. Okay. What is that about? It means that you, you maximize mercy. You're a master at giving mercy. You live a life where you are full of mercy. Hmm, that's an interesting way to put that. You are mercy full. You know what that means? It means you you don't go around when somebody blows it and people blow it all the time, right? You don't go around when they blow it and you just, you know... You you blast them, you don't give them any grace, you you just jump all over them. No, that's not a merciful person. so, So let me give you this picture, and this may be the most important thing I say today. If you've never realized this, grab it. God is the most merciful person in the universe and beyond. The Bible says he gives us mercies anew every morning, and I need them. I don't know about you. I need them. I make mistakes all the time. And what James, the power of the Holy Spirit is teaching us here is this is who your father is. He gives you mercy, and he'll give it to you again. He's giving it to you again and again and again. You ready? You ready? Everybody do this with me. you right. Exhale. Breathe in. You know why you did that? Mercy. You just received mercy. You know, everything you have, everything you think you own, which you don't own, you're just a steward of it. When you go out there in the parking lot in a minute and and get in that car, everything that you have is mercy. Your Father has been good to you. And so here's the question. How? Ready, ready, ready. How good are you giving mercy to others. How good are you? How high do you rate yourself? Zero to ten. Where do you rank on being able to give other people mercy? You know, one of the things wise people don't do, wise people don't emphasize other people's mistakes and harp on them and harp on them and harp on them. Reminds me of the little boy who who had to bring his report card home to his daddy and he he did not make good grades he was afraid to death to give it to his dad and it was worse once he gave it to his dad than he even thought it could be his dad blew a gasket and jumped all over him jumped down his throat the next day, the boy went, saw his friend at school who had an equally bad report card, and, and he said, how'd it go with your dad? He said, it was, it was, I thought it was going to be bad. It was even worse. My dad got historical. He said, you mean hysterical. No, he said, I mean historical. He told me everything I'd ever done wrong. <laughs> Guys, hey, listen now. Some of us grew up in homes like that. and Some of us have to be careful we're not creating homes like that. let me say that a little differently. You want to be like your father. You be a person of deep and wide mercy, not a person of deep and wide judgment. You want to be like him. You want to be wise? That's the life you build. And you don't emphasize other people's mistakes all the time and harp on those things. The Bible says it this way, Proverbs 17, 9. Love forgets mistakes. Lord, let it be so of me. Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts even the best of friends. So what what kind of life do you want to lead? I was teaching my kids the other day um, about driving, and um, I told them, have you ever ever noticed, have you ever been coming up on like one of those they're moving a house down the road, and they're taking up two lanes. You know, they got a, you got somebody with blinking lights. You ever, you ever, we've all done that, right? I was trying to tell one of my kids, listen. What do you do? You don't get up right on those people. You know what you do? I, I call it. You accommodate them. You you're gonna you're gonna stay. That's danger, right? You're gonna stay. You're going to be careful as you move around. You're going to give them their space. That's just what it means to be a good driver. You're going to accommodate them as they take that house up the road. I think one of the things that you and I have got to learn when it comes to this place of really being wise, full of mercy and good deeds is, listen, guys, there's some people that are wounded and bruised and hurt. And hurt people have a tendency to hurt people. God needs you and me to be accommodating, to be considerate, to be full of mercy and good deeds. This last one, number six. The Bible says uh, the wisdom from heaven is impartial and it is always, there's that word, (laughs) always sincere. And what's that about, Pastor Stephen? Well, in short, no hypocrisy. No, no fakeness. If you don't know where that word sincere came from, look at, look at that word up on the screen. See it? S-I-N-C-E-R-E. It's from the Latin. C-E-R-E, wax, S-I-N, without. We get that word from literally a phrase that they used to put on pottery without wax. When you went to go buy pottery, you would either see it say ser or Sarah, or it would say Sin Sarah. And when you bought Sin Sarah, you paid more money because you were getting the real deal. You didn't get something patched up and painted over. You didn't get wax in there. You got the perfect thing, the authentic thing. And the Bible says those who are wise are impartial and the real deal. They're authentic. They are not hypocrites. They are people that are not playing a fake game. I'll just say it this way. Wise people, another wise thing that wise people never do is they don't disguise their intentions. They don't mask themselves up. They don't don't play some fake game. The Bible says it this way in Proverbs, the lips of a liar conceal hostility. The lips of a liar conceal Hostility and whoever spreads accusations is a fool. You know, your father, your father is the author of all truth. And so you should be that kind of person who is always seeking to be like him and the real deal. One of the things that I really look forward to at being able to come back and drive onto this campus is not only the ability to see your faces and hug your necks, but it's really the gift of being able to pray for you. So in the next couple of minutes, I just want to say a word of prayer to our Father over you. Allow me just a couple of moments as a friend, as a pastor, just to tell you one of my longings for you. Wisdom, the wisdom from heaven it's relational. One of my greatest hopes for you, Harvest Point, is that you would do relationships excellently. You would know the wisdom from heaven. And you would seek to walk in that and do that in your family, in your workplace, in your neighborhood. And when people talk about you, do She's a wise person. And they're not talking about her degrees, that she's a teacher. They're not talking about what she's accomplished. You know what they're talking about? Who they know her to be and how she operates with others. So one of my greatest hopes for you and why I shared this message today is I hope you're an awesome dad and an awesome mom. I hope you're awesome grandparents one day. I, I hope you're a great son and a great daughter. I pray that the wisdom of heaven fills you, because it's not about what you think, it's about what you do. And the second great hope that I have for you is that you would know wisdom. So Stephen, how do you know wisdom? Well, really, there's only two ways to really know the wisdom from heaven. You've got to know God, and you've got to know what God says. So, my prayer is that you would be just this constant student of God's word and that you would just go back to His word over, drink in His word because this word changes us. It's the catalyst for change in our lives. That's my prayer for you. And if you came here today and you felt something going on in your heart, and you've never known, never made it. For sure, that you've got a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's no better day than today to say, Jesus, I don't want to live as a fool anymore. I want to be wise. And the first step to being wise is confessing your own shortcomings, your own sins, and receiving grace, the eternal grace of the cross. You can do that today. Hey, let me pray for you you got somebody that you love close to you. Why don't you just reach out, maybe put a hand on their knee or their shoulder. And I'm going to pray for you, and maybe you'd pray for yourself, and you'd pray for them. God, we thank you for being here today. We've heard your word. We've sat at your feet. And you've told us that we need to understand your ways, because if we understand your ways, we'll be wise. So God, I pray for everyone here, I pray, oh God, that you would help us to be pure. Make sure that we don't compromise our integrity, that we would try to be untainted, holy, and righteous. I pray for everyone here, God, that we would be peace-loving people, not people who love to fight or have the chip on our shoulder, but people who just seek peace and who plant seeds of peace everywhere we go. I pray, God, that we would be people who are considerate and gentle, And that sometimes when people rage at us or the storm comes at us, we would be the most calm people and considerate people they've ever seen or ever met. All because of you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people who are good listeners and willing to yield to others, learning from others all the time. That's the way of heaven. God, I pray that you would help us to be a people who are full of mercy. We receive mercy and we give it away. We are just full of it. And God, I pray that you would help us to be a people who are the real deal. The real deal. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you that it it has, you have blessed it. You continue to bless this church. Lord, help us to walk in the steadiness and the faithfulness that I've seen across so many years. Keep drama away from our doorstep. Help us to be a people who just want to fall in love with you and share you with the world. And Lord, I pray your blessings and your favor and your anointing over this church that Harvest Point would be a church that continues to plant, grow, and harvest for heaven's sake. Give it fruit, Lord. Give us fruit. And may the kingdom be expanded more and more. The footprint of heaven on this planet because of what we are doing in community and to your glory. Lord, we pray for Jonathan and Emily. We pray for them, God, as they get ready to move into a new season of ministry. Oh, Lord, bless them. Bless that, that those twins on the way. Lord, let them feel your hand of good favor. And Lord, we love you. We love you. Help us to always be in love with you. We pray this, Jesus, in your most holy name. Amen, church.